This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Andrew Klukov with you, Eric Lopez. And the student of the game, Kyle Nash, uh, with you as we're just, uh, as, well, you've caught us at a really awkward moment where we're talking a little, finishing up talking about what we're going to talk about in segments one and two, which is American Athletic Conference Football Media Day, which took place earlier today. We're recording this on Thursday night, July 28th. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you can follow us at UCF Banner at underscore SBN collectively. Gentlemen, happy Media Day. The season is underway, isn't it? Oh, hey. It's official now, right? Hey, not only yeah. it's a happy media day, it's happy four-star commitment day, baby. Let's roll. The Gus bus is on fire. Show me the paper. Give me the statue. You guys know how I am. Oh, stop. We beat Ohio State for a verbal, commitment. It's, that's a celebration. Verbal, verbal commitments are worth the paper they're printed on. And Gus, so. we trust. From from the listen, I, I appreciate Jeff's uh, how you say realism here, but I'm with Elo from a PR standpoint. Oh yeah, got power fives on this. That's fun. I don't care who you are. Oh yeah, I know. I get it, but I also I also well, let's let the audience know who we're talking. I, about. I also I also lived it. We'll talk. We'll we'll talk about this uh, in uh, the in, biggest in commitment maybe in the history of the pro, of the uh, university. Pro. Defensive lineman John Walker uh, chose UCF over. He's a four star. Re, re, uh, reportedly chose. Uh, he's from Osceola, so he's a cowboy with a K. Class of twenty three, uh, six three three ten. He's a big fella. Um, chose UCF over reportedly Ohio State, Michigan, Miami, and take Florida that, Buckeyes. Order. Uh, we'll touch upon that at the end of the show. Um, Go cry me a river. This is payback about, for taking Whitney. Let's Jones. talk about guys who are playing right now at UCF yeah, as the uh, we, media day is underway. All right. So, uh, yeah, American Athletic Conference Media Day was earlier today. Uh, rest in peace, the um, lobster bake. Just haven't had that since prior to COVID. They didn't return. Everything was on Zoom today, which I think they did that just for the sake of um, <clears throat> efficiency. But uh, first, Kyle and Andrew, you guys were both there. Um, we saw... Uh, Mike Oresco uh, talked for, I was at 38 minutes uh, at the top. Uh, Short then, for him. Yeah. And then, uh, and we had, uh, and then of course we had Gus Mazan and a few players. Drew, your quick recap of, uh, of how it all went down. Uh, well, just today in general. Yeah. Well, uh, let me go off by saying that the, the fact that it was virtual when all the other conferences have gone back to in person, actually, in my opinion, cheapened the whole thing. Uh, we actually ran into a problem. True, with guns Cincinnati. blazing right out of the gate. Yeah, because well, people really were. Come on well, now. I mean, really, we're really well, missing out on going to Detroit for the MAC. Like, who's going to the MAC for D- Detroit? Nobody. Come hey, on. Hey, people, hey, listen. Our guy care about the Mac. Was in Dallas for the Conference USA Media Days. So. Man, he needs. He needs, he needs to get. He needs. He needs to start covering a real league. Um, for, I hope he does. 
Let's join man, the you join say, the, I'm going with the man, Fed. Holy Eric, man. Eric, my boy, fire. join the American coverage next man, year. All right? Kyle, you need to take cover. Holy shoot. I was but, about to say, get get listen, if you <laughs> if you wanted to know the look and feel of Oresco's delivery this morning, it's not far off than what these gentlemen were doing because Oresco went to work on the college football establishment on student athlete compensation and also of course the uh the cf uh cfp set up in the fact they didn't expand listen i know oresco tends to run long but he had a lot of substance today a lot of subtext if you're worried about the american what they're trying to do to fight to survive listen to that listen to that speech this morning uh ladies and gentlemen that was definitely one that was passion filled Here's how they're fighting to survive. It's called cutting costs and pinching pennies. And that's what this was about. They would have had to pay more if they were hosting a live event by doing it virtually. And I would argue that's stand. a smart decision. Like, um, However, what? there's that's a, a trade-off there. There's yeah. a trade-off there. Case in point, Cincinnati's players got cut off early because their connection broke. Well, and that's their uh, they actually had to end the segment early. So I'm, there's a trade-off. I, I I like the hybrid. That's model. not the Americans' fault. I agree with Eric. That's not the Americans' Yeah, that's, not a, that's not a league's fault. That's a school issue. But but if it was in person like all the other nine conferences were, that would never have happened because those oh. players would have been there. You just wanted free food. That's what you want. Hey, hey, you 11th commandment. Thou shalt not turn down free food. <laughs> you made the trip, Drew. Stop this, talking. No, this I, is what I deal with. Anyway, for, go ahead, I would have sent Kyle. For, yeah, I was like, for somebody who might have made the trip, yeah, I'm with you, Drew, personally. I would have preferred an in-person experience myself. But at the end of the day, um, I believe part of it, too, Drew, was when they're setting all this stuff up, a lot of things were in flux. Keep in mind, right? And, and I think they're kind of setting that table. This is definitely going to be the last one virtually if they have half a brain. And I think it puts in think uh, I put the, I think it puts in things nicely for the transition to get a big grand opening out of it when they come up next year with all their new schools and stuff. Now, we obviously won't be a part of that here at the BNGB, but I think that's what the American had in mind too as well, big picture. So what you're saying, Kyle, is he he wasn't speaking to UCF Cincinnati and Houston. He was speaking to FAU and Charlotte and all of them, right? He was speaking to his future tenants and the world at large. And I believe him when he says that he has no ill will towards what UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati are doing. I, I believe that was that was a bit of a dig, though. Uh, he's not going to celebrate them leaving either. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, it's. I mean, I, I, you got to take it with a grain of salt. I mean, he was, he was talking about he was defending the teams that were still there. Yeah, and talking about their relevancy, Absolutely. like, and he used Tulsa over UCF as an example. And we all know Tulsa has a voodoo magical spell against UCF. I mean, it's, that's just you. Know, I, I um, think he dropped. I think he dropped the Tulsa thing just to really troll you. The sun rises in the east because he knows the sky how much blue. He and Tulsa beats losing UCF. to Tulsa. Well, no. Let the man reach into the pit a few more times of the PR of the UCF Twitter mafia that he's losing. I think it's an expert business move. I really don't think he takes it all that personal. Per se. He doesn't take any of this personally. He doesn't care. It's like if the fans he's not get... Bob Bowlesby who's going to ramble and call Dennis Dobbs in the middle of the night crying and whining. You know they, go, <laughs> oh, they took my teams. 
Ow. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to ruffle some feathers, that's how you do it. Not not tick off UCF yeah. fans. I mean, because this point next year, they're gone anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let, let's get in. I mean, let's move on from Mike. I mean, all right. So uh, th- there. right, right. Can three, we, three. Can we mimic him pretty well of of being angry about something and just droning on about it? Well, you took a five minute segment and turned it into ten. So there's that. Uh, Man, let's that, talk about. Is he uh, about playoff expansion? Anyway, <laughs> playoffs, 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 <laughs> um, playoffs. Uh, three, uh, three figures from UCF uh, were at the podium uh, today. Of course, head coach Gus Malzahn and two uh, and uh, two players on offense, much to Andrew's chagrin. Uh, Isaiah one. Bowser and Ryan O'Keefe. Drew, you you're on record. Well, it wasn't my defensive guy. They, Nothing they were, against Isaiah and no, Ryan, no. but Jeremiah Jean Baptiste was supposed to be the second guy, and we got a last second notification it was going to be Ryan. And I was hoping to have offense, defense. Nothing against uh, Ryan, but it, it, you know, I wanted to, I wanted someone from each side, you know, to get that balance. And unfortunately, it didn't well, work out that way. Uh, but well, let's, it, let's it, was, it wasn't my chagrin. <laughs> let's give the. I'm saying to your chagrin that they didn't have a defensive guy there. Is what I'm saying. But let's give uh, both of those guys some credit because, of course, it is a watchless season as well. And uh, both Isaiah and Ryan made uh, some key watch lists uh, uh, this uh, this week. Uh, Ryan O'Keefe was uh, named to the preseason watch list for the Paul Horning Award, which goes annually to the player uh, deemed the most versatile in the country. And uh, Isaiah Bowser also was named to uh, was uh, for his leadership both on and off the field as a uh, preseason watchlister for the Danny Warfield Trophy, uh, which goes to the college football player who best combines exemplary community service with athletic and academic uh, achievement. Well, that's I would not mind being nominated for that award one well, bit. But um, but Sander, why don't we have Matt Lee? He's eligible for the Remington, and I want to talk to some beef. <laughs> <laughs> And you got we'll one guy from yeah. the you got a, a, a you got one on the on the Outland list. Yeah, yeah, and then Andrew Osteen was also uh, watch listed for the Ray Guy Award too. But um, I wanted to talk about the because um, uh, Drew, you got to talk to uh, to Gus for a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, media day press conferences are media day press conferences. You're not going to glean too much out of them. But what were we able to get to, get out of Gus today? Well, he's he's very excited with the direction things are going. Uh, I would hope so. <laughs> that's an understatement. Uh, he's uh, he's happy to have last year in the rearview mirror. Uh, it was not an easy year. Uh, nothing was safe. Not even him. <laughs> right. And uh, you know he's 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 definitely uh, very very high on on the guys that are you know that are here for twenty twenty two. They've hit the portal very hard. And and the big question most fans have is which QB is going to be the guy or in the lead. And he did not tip his hat at all on that one. Right. He basically said it's 50-50 and it's anyone's game. So, you know, press conference fodder, which you would expect at least at this point. You know, don't give anybody <laughs> don't give anybody a giant piece of meat to uh to to attack here, right, Kyle? Well, no, certainly not. But here's what I think Drew is selling short too. Like he mentions, you know, the whole uh, concept of of mentioning uh, the long IR 
that included the coach himself. And, and, and Drew, you'll see very eloquently brought that into the fold. But I think Gus did make a, a great point of how much this team has learned from that and kind of learned to appreciate the time they have on the field. Like, you know, for, for context, we heard um, Josh Heupel talk about during the pandemic, this really hit home, how important each opportunity to play is. I feel like Gus had that same uh, uh, vibe and then some about being able to appreciate, you know, health and staying healthy. And one thing I think he did assure is that those running backs are still healthy and everything's going well on that front right now, currently for the team. All right, let's go ahead and drop that bite. Uh, Gus talking uh, or answering uh, Andrew's question. Uh, let's see. Last year you dealt with injury adversities like crazy, including to yourself. Uh, yeah. How has all of that changed your coaching mentality going into this season? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, last year, um, you know, it wasn't just the injuries. It was who the injuries were to. And it was some of our best players. You know, the first three games of the year, we were clicking. And we, we if we'd have stayed healthy, we'd have been machine-like as the season went on. But, you know, we lost our top guys. We really had to reach deep down in. I'm so proud of our team that, you know, a lot of teams would have folded, would have splintered. Our guys didn't. They hung in there. We had really really strong leadership that that uh, got us through those tough times and so i think this year that's a huge benefit and that's what i tell our team you know we've got that experience with our leaders uh that we went through tough times and uh you know i really believe we're going to stay healthy this year and that's going to make a huge difference all right so that was gus malzahn head coach of ucf uh answering our very own andrew glukov there and um yeah i, I mean i think that's it, I think that that's when we talk about the storyline coming into the season, that's the part that's extremely underrated right now is the fact that, you know, hopefully this is a team that's healthier than they were last year. And it's funny because like I was going back that, you know, we're starting the know thy foe previews, looking at the preview, the opponents. And I just finished off the uh, Louisville one yesterday and looking back at that game, it was really, you know, kind of going back and seeing what we were writing about and what we were seeing about it, saying about it at the time, it was astonishing really the coaching job that Gus and his assistants did and the players too, let's not forget, you know, rallying around and, and kind of, you know, seeing how far they could get with two pair. Right. I mean, they, they, cause after that game, they, they, their hand was quite, uh, was, uh, was quite disheveled to say the least. Right. Andrew lesser men would have mailed it in. Uh, we also had uh, Isaiah Bowser and uh, Ryan O'Keefe. Uh, in the house, I think, uh, uh, was it Kyle? Did you get in with, uh, with Ryan or was it Drew? I forget. I got in with Ryan O'Keefe. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, the whole concept is, you know, depth for the running back position at UCF is something that's been there in the five years I've been covering them with various outlets. And, and really for Ryan, I, I, I feel like this year, the, the wide receiver core is interesting on another front because of the transfer portal and really i just wanted to give him an opportunity to put some shine on that group and its depth when most of the talk has been on the veteran o-line and the running back core all right let's hear from ryan o'keefe for all the talk that this offense has with the running back core give your guys some shine how deep is this receiver core and how excited are you what do they bring to the game that could make this offense uh super explosive yeah i feel like we got our our, our receiver room is a deep like the running back room i feel like each of us bring our own component to the game, whether that's speed, whether that's knowing how to get open on your routes, create separation, or whether just go up top. But I feel like we're all hard workers. You know, we, we, we've been together as a group of brothers. 
you know, we, we be doing extra stuff with each other, just doing everything we can. But I can't wait to see what, what the receivers around me do because a lot of, a lot of attention has been on the quarterback situation, the running backs, all that. But my receivers, like, I can't wait to watch them. It's Ryan O'Keefe answering our very own uh, Kyle Nash. So um, we everyone tries to, as we kind of sort of wrap this up, in the next coming up in the next segment, we'll talk about the preseason poll, and we'll go into a little bit more depth on that. But as we come out of media day uh, for the conference, what's the uh, – and uh, Eric, I want to start with you, and then we'll go to Andrew and then Kyle. What's the – for you, coming out of this, what's the – storyline that's kind of like unsaid but you come out of here thinking okay here's the here's the storyline for UCF right now heading into the season well I think the storyline for UCF I think there's a lot of unsettling questions like there is with a lot of teams in this league I I got us you know Cincinnati boys I know Drew and Kyle you were there all day but Cincinnati obviously has a lot of questions that Luke Fickle kind of downplayed including a quarterback battle and other positions uh Houston who is, you know, uh, has com- some questions. They have experience with questions. I thought that was the thing that was interesting. Uh, this year feels like a league that I think a lot of people are more curious about. I feel like there's a lot of questions still unknown, maybe more than usual. At least that was the sense in watching and following media. Is that the sense you guys got, especially UCF? It's, I mean, granted, every everybody right now is playing it close to the vest. Nobody's put the pads on yet until next week. But normally we would have some more confident like hey we know this and this and this i got a sense of more like yeah we'll see we got to play this out this has got a, a lot of stuff to play out well i'll i'll actually go and be more specific uh gus malzahn flat out had question marks specifically for the linebacking core yeah uh, he called them out as as an area that uh they had hit hard on the transfer portal because the returning depth was very you know, it was non-existent you know, That's the phrase he used too, Drew, was returning depth, right? I think it's it's really important to to see how, you know, the you, you have to decipher sometimes the coach speak to, to be able to kind of find these. But but Gus was very upfront about the linebacking core, and I think that's very telling when a when a coach is that blunt about about something. Usually they're not that straightforward. It, it, you know, it's no, that's a good point by you, Drew, but particular to Gus, like having, you know, sat through press conferences weekly with him um, throughout last year, too. It, 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 it's interesting that most times when UCF did lose, it happened based on exactly the thing that Gus mentioned was going to be the tough thing to stop. And I think this is the same concept here. If Gus is acknowledging it, you better bet he's. I think it's almost kind of a, a narrative control kind of thing. He's telling the fans up front, listen, folks, I'm trying to tell you this group's going to be a thing. Okay. And, and, and that kind of, you know, moxie from a coach's veteran as Gus compared to Hypo compared to Frost is something that the fans haven't really experienced yet. And to be honest, as somebody who's trying to take quotes and, you know, talk to the guy, it's good to get that, you know, information, lack of a better word, up front, not only because something nice to write about for content, but the fan base may not go quite as nuts about it as, let's say, Randy Shannon, that defense uh, under Hypel, right? Well, not only that, not only that, but it's easier to digest. Uh, you know, you don't have to try to decipher, you know, what do they mean this? Are they trying to say this? No, it's, this yeah, is what right. it is. And, and I, I think 
that also creates a sense of trust because right. they're being honest about it. There, there's no feeling of subterfuge going on and, and fans are going to eat that up. Hey, that's why I call it controlling the narrative, baby. <laughs> all right. Let me ask you both real quick. Let me ask you real quick, both. Yeah. Of all the other schools you guys got to cover today, any of them stood out to you, either a coach or a player, either good or bad that stood out to you, either one of you, non-UCF related? You, you know, for me, Eric, um, the two I'll quickly point out is, is Dana Holgerson going out of his way to throw props at Cincy and Luke Fickle. And really, uh, you know, Gus Malzahn did it as well, surely, but he had been doing that all last season and, and, you know, giving props to the team that's going to eventually make it to the CFP, you know, sure. Low hanging fruit, in my opinion, but the fact that Holgerson and Luke Phil fickle both switched comments of, no, I think you're really number one. No, I think you're really number one. That's fun to see. It's a goodwill thing, but <clears throat> you know, uh, at the end of the day, I think, Dana's playing the politics and Fickle's being realistic about the fact that he lost the starting quarterback. Now on the less positive side, I'll point out, um, um, help me with his last name, Drew Rett of uh, SMU, Rett Lashley. Uh, Lashley. Lashley. Lashley, I did have it right. I should have been confident. With Rett Lashley, bruh, your quarterback last year had over 4,200 yards and 43 touchdowns. Stop pretending we don't know he's starting. <laughs> For the love of Pete. <laughs> is he is he now remember Rhett played for Gus in high school you think yeah there's some and he yep. spoke very glowingly about him when he was asked about yeah, and yeah. he played out said I don't like coaching against my friends but I have to get used to it right yeah. well he only has to do it as far as we know he only has well to he's do got it other people time, too so yeah true so all right we get back uh we're so uh, when we return we uh, dive into the thing that every that led off Media Day, which was the preseason American Athletic Conference football rankings. You can catch them on blackandgoldbanneret.com right now. Uh, Drew and I actually combined on a uh, on actually filling out a ballot on our behalf. Man, Drew's a big deal. It, I mean, Gus is like thank, he loves his questions. He's part of his I getting. I mean, my goodness, Drew. Well, I kind of, I, I kind of, you know bludgeoned jeff into the into the polling part <laughs> as well as you should no well i'm glad should. no i'm glad you did and we'll talk about why when we return it's the black and gold Banneret podcast we're back after this welcome back to the black and gold Banneret podcast jeff sharon eric lopez kyle nash and andrew glukov with you here uh, as we continue to break down american athletic conference media day the beginning the unofficial beginning of the 20 22 football season uh all right let's go back to the beginning boys the uh first thing that happened this morning prior to everyone taking to the uh, well i was about to say taking to the podium but no taking to zoom was the uh preseason media poll which came out uh how, how many is that yeah 24 media members took part including us as one of them uh, here are the results. The, these are the results of the preseason media poll. Houston is uh, finished number one, 243 votes, seven first place votes. Cincinnati's two with 242 total points. I, I said total total points, but total votes, but total points. 
uh, and 10 first place votes. So Cincinnati had more first place votes than anybody, but they finished in second because they were one point shy on the, on the total. Uh, UCF was picked third, also with seven first place votes, same as Cincinnati, 225 points. Uh, following that, that, that's all your first place vote getters right there. After that, fourth SMU, fifth Memphis. ECU is sixth, Tulane, and then from there, Tulane, Tulsa, South Florida in ninth, Navy at tenth, last place, Temple. All right, so if you check uh, blackandgoldbanneret.com, you'll see that, uh, first of all, big thanks to Chuck Sullivan, who reached out and offered me individually a chance to actually vote here on the preseason media ballot. But I uh, sometimes have difficulty controlling my homerism. And so I had to call in for uh, additional support, uh, Leroy Jenkins. In this case, though, I think it was more of a, uh, Andrew, I think it was more of like a Winston Wolf situation because you needed to fix a problem. <laughs> and, uh, and and so this is how we did it. For, for the ballot that I submitted on Black and Gold Banneret's behalf, Andrew and I collaborated. All right, so here's how we did it. We first like filled out our own individual ballots and then he and I kind of collaborated on uh, on the chat and figured out a final submission. So I'm going to read out to you what Drew initially had. All right. Number one, Houston. Two, UCF. Three, SMU. Four, Cincinnati. Five, Memphis. Six, ECU. Seven, Tulane. Eight, Tulsa. Nine, South Florida. Ten, Navy. Eleven, Temple. Andrew, you had, was it the bottom seven, bottom six? The same as the, I had everything except two, three, and four. Yeah, from fifth. Yeah, from fifth down, you had it right, and also you picked the the the, the top team. I am an agent of chaos. I I like to just kind of like throw stuff against the wall, see what happens, and then and then Andrew's job is to talk me back out of it. So so I went like this: one SMU, two Houston, three UCF, four Tulane. Five Cincinnati. This is initially, this is me just spitballing here. Six South Florida, seven ECU, eight Memphis, nine Navy, 10 Tulsa, 11 Temple. The one I thing thought you were high common... or drunk or something. Cause I, I was like, yes, I, well, no, no, listen, I, I, I like throw things around and it's like, and then I have to think about it more and then it kind of falls into place. I just wanted my first impression to be that. All right. I thought you just did a randomizer. Just, you know, what's a random number? That's the team that goes up there. Cause I, so too late at four. It's, I, it's, it, 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 relax for a second. Um, <laughs> our final submission after we collaborate on two of this and, and, and Andrew talked me off the ledge was the following Houston, UCF, SMU, ECU, top four, Cincinnati fifth, Memphis sixth, Tulane seventh, South Florida eighth, uh, Tulsa ninth, Navy tenth, Temple eleventh. We ended up, uh, uh, in comparison to the final poll, we had South Florida above Tulsa. They had South Florida and Tulsa. They had Tulsa above South Florida. We had... uh, uh, Houston, Houston, we had at the top. We have UCF in second. They had Cincinnati in second. We had SMU in third. They had UCF in third. We were high both on ECU. Uh, That's a good way to describe it. A high for sure. Low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, walked right into that one. 
Um, and uh, we're low on Cincinnati. Uh, and we also picked Memphis one spot lower than than the conference did. All right, Drew. Uh, and you can check out our roundtable, by the way, on blackandgoldbanner.com where we discuss sort of uh, what we're talking about. But I want to throw this open to Kyle and Eric, who well, obviously you already know how Eric feels about it. But uh, let's throw this open to Kyle. Um, Kyle, if you were doing a uh, your own ballot, how would you have put this together? Um, so first of all, Jeff, let me give you credit for giving SMU the credit they actually deserve, regardless of Rhett, Rhett, what Rhett Lashley says about. I think Rhett Lashley's going to be good, by the way. Yeah. Oh no, I do too. I just think he thinks the press is a bunch of morons trying to make me believe that T- Tanner Mordecai is not starting. You're, you're not letting that one this go for a while, are you? Huh? This, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> the bed of you're like bed you're like you're like a pit bull whose jaw is locked on a rope hanging from a tree. Well, <laughs> like, I need to be a pit bull because somebody's already Leroy Jenkins up in this beast. <laughs> but listen, like uh, the just reason don't, I, just don't break out in the music, <laughs> right? No, trust me, that's not my style, Drew. But thank you for the warning. Um, no, listen. I can make a strong argument, and as much as as Lashley kind of dodged the question when I asked him about it during May, media day, I really think that uh, Tanner Mordecai could be the best quarterback in the conference if things go according to plan. Now, I will grant that his offensive line has a lot of rotation and a lot of newer players in it, but there's a, a, a lot of solid returning skill players, and I think the defense is a factor. Drew, go ahead. Well, I, I, I want to point out, because Jeff and I did a lot of back and forth talking about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we both, oh, at least at least I said, Mordecai is the best quarterback in the conference. Well, thank already you. is. <laughs> uh, he already is. Uh, and and I, I have no reason to think otherwise at that, well, at that point. However, hey, what hey, hurts SMU is you're saying that on schedule. Paper, right? You're saying that on paper. It's... Well, he's also proved it on the field. No, no, yeah. no. But what I'm getting to is we haven't seen the year play out yet, and I think it's the point you're about. You know what? Let me hand you the ball back. Talk about the schedule, and you're seeing why I'm leaving elements of ambiguity in there. Right, and, and we actually talk about it in in the the article itself, where the top four, you know, SMU, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston. Uh, there's four particular matchups that Jeff points out. Well, SMU is the only one of those four schools to play all three. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to play at UCF. Uh, they do host Cincinnati and Houston, but I mean, still, they have to go through that 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 gauntlet of having to go yeah. through all three of them. Whereas, and by the way, Houston, Houston only has to play one of them. Houston Correct. only plays yeah. SMU, which is one of the reasons why they got the bump. And I think that's actually why they ultimately got the number one. Now, granted, with we we've ended up putting Cincinnati fourth. Uh, I will take credit as as part of you know, as Black and Gold Granite Banneret can take credit. We cost Cincinnati that number one spot, and You're I gonna have no regrets over listen, it. Listen, listen. Um, that's adorable. Drew. There are twenty. There are twenty-three other voters who also cost Cincinnati. I, that, 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 don't spot. take it away from us. Or excuse don't me. I sh- I, wait, wait. I, 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 let me rephrase it. There are fourteen other voters who cost Cincinnati. Yeah. That. Don't don't take it away from us. They probably all put them at second. You, I, you, I will. I will say this. I will say that. And Kyle, I'm. I'm, I'm I want to make this point real quick about Cincinnati. The reason why. And this is where Eric got mad at us. Uh, the reason why we're both low on Cincinnati is you lose Desmond Ritter. You lose a couple of their key offensive weapons. They lost six guys on that defense to the NFL. Yeah. So I, I 
you know, listen, if they outstrip expectations, congratulations. We're going to find yeah, you're out You're just real serving quick. it up to them. You're serving oh. it up. You're making it easy on them. Congratulations. Oh, oh just, really? Like, they care. Let's, yeah, let's go with they the do. Buckeye State. Let's go. So this is all about Ohio. This is not Ohio right. State. They can't reload. Oh, I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. I'm going to tell you, you why. You can disagree all you want. Stick to softball. That's uh, your no, name. no, 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 no. This is football. <laughs> okay, Mr. Offensive Lineman people. I'm a little disappointed in you, Drew and Kyle, because you both. Line does you know, a yeah. Extent, but you. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Let me ask you this question: Who is the team that returns their entire offensive line in the league? Want right. to guess who it is? Cincinnati does. Oh, that same offensive line that kicks everybody's ass last year in the league, including UCF. You know, Physical partly football. why they kicked everyone's ass is also they had a running back that specialized in kicking people's is it, ass. Is it him or is it the offensive line? Which it's is both. it? Because it's last both. year, all I kept hearing about is, well, this quarterback's a success of the line and the running game. He's no good and everything this. I yeah, agree. Also, it, also, everyone, you didn't hear that from me. <laughs> you, a lot of people like the dog Desmond Ritter. I, you always, I, he's a scrappy guy. I agree. He's a scrappy guy. And he, I'm not – I'm, I, what you want. I too am on the am a card carrying member of the Desmond Ritter yeah, fan club. Say what you want. And, the rightfully so. The, uh, the name's escaping me. Um, yeah. But the transfer from Eastern Michigan, who's currently penciled in as a potential starter. Competition. Luke Fickle said it was open competition. There is, it is open competition, but I think he's got the leg up at the so moment. So let me ask you a talent. He's Correct. not Desmond Ritter. Let me ask you something. Does UCF does, does UCF not have the same questions? Who's their quarterback? UCF has different questions. Uh, they have just was, as many. They have just as many. We don't know who's linebacking. Lose, who's the linebacking core for UCF? Their defense to the NFL. I mean, Correct. that's the difference. But UCF doesn't have defense. Period. We don't know if they have play. Who UCF do they have? Defense what do you mean? UCF doesn't actually. have. Who's defense. the linebacking core right now? Who's in the defensive front? Who's going to replace Khalil? I could play the devil's advocate game. Is my point. You can't play the devil's advocate. However, that's that all I'm saying. We're making it. We're making it. We're. Great, Remember, but if you but if UCF it, can't a, block, it doesn't matter. It's a sum of the parts. Also, you have to look at the at the schedule. Cincinnati plays at SMU. They play at UCF. Now that's a better argument. It's that's all, a better. It's all. Part but of everybody the whole loses players. UCF, by the way, plays SMU and Cincinnati both and, at home, and they also play at Memphis, which uh, is a and problem. That, and I which is the that, team that it, nobody's I, talking about. If you look at the article, it's actually the team I point out is is kind of the, the team that I disagree with the ranking the most. I, I, I'm i a big fan of Seth Hennigan. I, I think Me he's too. A, a gunslinging quarterback. Uh, he's not as good as Tanner Mordecai at this point. He doesn't have the experience. But, man, this guy's got all the tools to be really, really good. Uh, we didn't get a chance to see him uh, when they came to, to UCF. If he played, they would have won that game. I agree. Uh, they were down to their third-string quarterback for that game. Uh, you know, just through injuries and whatnot. So I, the fact that UCF won 24 seven is not an indication of how that team really was. Uh, if I'm correct, if I remember four out of Memphis's six wins and four out of their six losses were within one score. Yes. And yeah. Hennigan's was true freshman, you know, and he still threw for, you know, over 3000 yards. I mean, he, he, he's, he's a gunslinger. That's what he is. And, and he just needs time to develop. And I think, that's going to show up. The other dark horse, and and Jeff pointed them out, was East Carolina. And we were very high in East Carolina because, uh, well, the fact that Holton Aylers is probably 35 years old now. And, and still throws there, pick six every week in big games. Absolutely. Well, he's basically a, a collegiate rendition of Brett Favre. He's just going to chuck no, the ball. Not. No, no, no. 
Brett Favre threw a massive ton, yeah. massive ton of interceptions. Massive ton of Brett Favre is the all-time leader in NFL Yeah, history. except Brett Favre's a Hall of Famer. Holton Aylers won't well, even let's, make let's, his own. No, I, I, hey, let, that's let me, a little ridiculous. Let me, let, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Holton Aylers for his last year, 18 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Yeah, against real teams, though, he throws a bunch of pick six. And we saw that up close against UCF when he gave that game away. So I discount him. In fact, most ECU fans wish he would have moved on. Um, so uh, let me address on SMU, because I don't disagree with you, Kyle, or Jeff. you're just making that up, but okay. No, trust me. I listen to that pirate radio online. Trust me. They they don't. SMU is a hard one to grade. They really S- were. Here, here's my problem with the SMU, because I've been on the SMU bandwagon. Here's the problem. If this league played in September and October only, you're correct. They are a t- contender. The problem is you got to play in November, and this team has been abysmal in November. They can't – they don't show up in November. They fade away. That's actually a good point, Elo. Well, and well, they, why, why do you think that is? Because they're soft. And well, now they're soft. Did they address and, that? That's a good question. Right. We don't. We won't know that until they get to November. And they made a coaching change. Obviously, Sonny. Now I'm not a Sonny Dykes guy. Dykes guy. He's a good recruiter. Terrible X's and O's guy. I'm with you about Rhett Lashley, but we don't know if Rhett Lashley is going to be a good head coach or not. That's a bigger question to me than what Cincinnati lost player wise. Because I know Luke Fickle is going to get the most of what he has. I know Luke Fickle's recruited, just like I know Gus Malzahn has recruited. And at the end of the day, it'll play itself out. I have no idea what's going to play out at SMU yet. One of the things in the article was a lie, was a question of who could be a surprisingly bad team that drops. I went with SMU. And the reason why is uh, a good we bet. don't know. Does he have the right players? Will the system be embraced? Right. Uh, do, do they have enough depth in case something goes wrong because you're instituting a new system? Correct. And it's always harder to answer these questions with a new staff. Yes. Versus one that's already established. So uh, there are a lot of question marks at SME now on sheer talent paper. I think they're in the right spot. Uh, they're really talented. Uh, the only thing that hurts them is the question mark of how Lashley's first year will work with uh, a team that's not necessarily. And all do, do, will they show up in November? They haven't the last few years, they just haven't. Uh, Three three questions. I want to ask Kyle and Eric these questions. Um, Eric, Eric, well, actually, Eric, I'll ask you the same question that I asked Kyle. If you were redoing your own order, uh, how would you do it? Would you go chalk with the conference poll, or what would you switch up? I definitely would have Houston. I think Houston should be a – quite frankly, Houston should be a bigger favorite than they are. All this the is – to me, but Houston. They, but they, but the, the conference picked him number one. Okay, so what would you have that's different? I would make them unanimous. Uh, number one. Well, you can't do that. I'm saying if well, I'm you just saying that's out your you're own just one ballot. Vote, man. Um, you're just one vote. I would go. I would probably go stick with Cincinnati and UCF, but you could flip those two. I actually think those two are pretty even. It's going to come down to which of those two hit the jackpot on the quarterback position, but I think they're pretty even. I have at fourth SM, I have Memphis actually, and I have SMU five, but I think okay. those are your five teams. And then after that, it's a so, garbage. So true. Let me break back through and actually get a shot to answer the question here. Cause you, you guys have had good discussion, but I think the answer is a little different. Okay. Um, I don't have Cincy at two because you guys make great po- points about coaching changes, but the only thing that's a bigger issue is a quarterback change. And for my money, Desmond Ritter was sort of carried to the point made by a running back who's designed to quote, kick your butt. Um, 
And Ritter himself not being present, I think, is a leadership issue. Cincinnati still stays in the top three for my money based solely on beef. You made the great point, Eric, that year in and year out, ever since I've been covering this team starting in 2017, guys have told me how tough Cincinnati is. And actually, the other answer I got for that was me in the trenches. But that's a whole other conversation. The punchline being this. With the scheme and the back, uh, the schemes they run at Navy. And just is a pain the tenacity yeah. of being servicemen yeah. in the bleeding military that are disciplined. Correct. Right? Which, by the way, UCF had problems with last year, as we quite well know. I want to hit Navy when you're done. Uh, that. <laughs> um, but I got Cincy third. I think SMU is second. I think we're underplaying their defense a smidge. And a coach's job is made easier with a good quarterback in place. If you need an example, look to your very own Mackenzie Milton being in place when Frost departed, right? Now, granted, eventually he doesn't finish the year, and that's a whole other lament we can cover at another time, but that was huge <clears throat> in UCF success that they did have in 2018 as well, continuing the strength as long as they streak as long as they did, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I got right. UCF fourth, fellas. I'm going to call fourth. it what it is. You got well, quarterback controversy. You got a lack of a uh, a defensive front to keep all, uh, opponents at bay while you're relying on a strong running back core. Now, Drew, I already know where you're going. Don't do it. UCF does has a fa- does have a favorable favorable schedule themselves. I will grant, but I'm letting in some margin of error in that there's going to be a game or two that don't go the way exactly as UCF fans would want. Well, we just well, don't I, know. We just don't know. We don't know who well, the quarterback well, is and how they're going to play. Well, well here's what, what we do know is they're not leaving the state of Florida until October 22nd, which is the first game of the second half of the season. And they only well, leave the state they play three the times all year. Consecutively, after that's done, though, Jeff. Sure. That's also four, of the last, four of the last six on the road. Correct. But one's in Tampa. Is that really on the road? That's true. Fair that's point. Right. That's not right. They only leave the state um, three times no, look. all year. Right. Right. Um, I, I, mean, I look. I think UCF could win the. I don't think it's like. I think it's close. I think. I don't like this idea that somehow there's a distance between UCF and Cincinnati. Not so when UCF has. I, I think it's going to be very close. Yeah. Uh, this, yeah. This, but this schedule is by far the most favorable schedule out of any agree with any that. team in the conference. Even I, over I SMU. Yes. Uh, yeah. The fact that you don't have to leave your home state for most of the year. Uh, and you know that that's crazy. Even more than Houston, that, it's crazy. Or excuse and, me, I meant Houston. I said SMU. Thank yeah. you, Jeff. Okay, yeah. And, and, yeah, and let me let me get up front on all our behalves. I don't think any of us are saying that the top three or four aren't conference championship appearance competitive. Like any of those top four teams that we're talking about are definitely. Um, I think there's five teams that could legitimately make the conference championship game, which is Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, SMU, Memphis. Uh, I think those are your five. Everybody else so doesn't you, so, even belong. So, Eric, if I so so you're saying Memphis could break into that top? Yeah, four. I do. If I do. Kyle, I, is I, that I, your is that your team that you yeah, think could break yeah. into the top four? I mean, if I'm going to pick a dark ho- horse, it would be Memphis, but I I don't know that they have enough balance overall for that. Okay. All right. So, one of the things that that uh, Jeff was absolutely dead set up was make Navy better than they really are. And, and we had to argue this. We had, we argued. This I before. just, I, I don't know, man. I, maybe I just had PTSD from, from Navy games, but like, I don't know, but you had a ninth originally and then you wanted them higher. And 
But this is something I actually want to bring up because I think this is going to play a very, a very important role in the season when we talk about offensive lines and what they can do. There's new rules in place. Uh, the cut blocking scheme that Navy and the triple options do is illegal now. Uh, oh. they, they've changed the rules. It's one reason why I finally convinced Jeff, hey, bring them back. The only reason why they're not lower than Temple is because Temple's that bad. Uh, but I, mean, yeah. I would have put them at the bottom if Temple wasn't there. Uh, this could play a role in other offensive lines. It's where the Cincinnati offensive line actually has an advantage because they're going to use flat-out power as opposed to uh, cut blocking, which is kind of a cheap way of getting around. Uh, so we talk when you talk about offensive line, yeah, it's very important, but there's so much of a degree of unknown and how these rules are going to be, one, enforced, and two, uh, how they can adapt. Because even big offensive lines like a Cincinnati or UCF, they still have cut blocking in there, and now they have to take it out. So there, there's going to be – uh, a curve of adjustment. The question is, how bad is your team going to be affected by it? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a difference between like teams who who who, who use cut blocking as you know an occasional thing in, in a certain race, and then a team like Navy running the triple O that is nothing but that, that is that, bread and butter. That they they base their entire offensive scheme on on blocking below the below the waist. Yeah, so. and that, and I wanted to point that out not not just to to mess with Navy, but to show that uh, just to talk about how. We've got a fundamental blocking change that's going to impact this year. So that it, it just kind of muddles, muddies the water a little bit. No, Drew, and that's a great point, but I'm not prepared to hang my hat on that until we get a couple games in uh, and see how they call it. Right, because we don't know if the refs will actually stick well, to And that's where point. my preseason polls aren't worth <laughs> you know, the paper they're written on. <laughs> Let me stick to an NFL example that you rarely see called. Allegedly, it's illegal for a running back to lean right. forward and use his helmet. Correct. Calls that ish. So I, I'm wondering if that's going to be a similar thing. But if I see more than, let's say, three flags in week one for it, I'll buy what you're selling. I think that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, by, by the way, that also assumes that Ken Niamatololo is not going to coach yeah. that out. That's yeah, I point. mean, a so. good coach is going to be working on getting rid of that. Well, I think he's on a hot seat there. I, I mean, well, the style of offense is on yeah, the hot seat because yeah, it, yeah, you know, yeah. that's, as you said, that's uh, you know, that's bread and butter. Yeah. So uh, last bit that I want to get to on this, uh, the conference has UCF in third. We picked them in second. Kyle, you're on the record saying you are selling UCF at third place because you think they'll finish in fourth. Eric, where where are you buying, selling, or holding UCF at third place I as the final eight? Yeah, hold. I think yeah. that's fair because they could win the league. They could finish second, um, third. I, I think that's fair. I think until we know – what UCF's getting out of the quarterback position. Like, I love how we're scrutinizing what we don't know what Cincinnati's going to get the quarterback, but somehow we think we know what UCF's going to get out of the quarterback hey, I position. I haven't been fourth. Don't give me that. <laughs> no, not you. Not you. Um, plus, there's questions I'm just, I'm about... Just saying, I'm just saying... Listen, I might catch some flack for this from some people on Twitter, but, like, I'm just saying Ole Miss is greater than Eastern Michigan. That's all I'm saying. And, yeah, and so is Auburn, and you saw yeah, Joy yeah, Gatewood. Yeah, remember, this man, Ole Miss you know. guy was moved to wide receiver. Well, who knows? We don't even know that. Yeah, we don't uh, even we've know. We've been over that. We've been we over know. that anyway. Now, now Drew, Drew makes a good point. I do think I would actually, if I would, if you force me to not go middle, if you told me I have to go pick one or the other, I actually would buy UCF better than third because of Drew's point about the schedule. 
You don't leave the state until Florida. You do get Cincinnati at home. That does that that helps. And USF is like a bye week. So um, I do think now that I think about it, Drew, you did talk me, and I do think UCF should be picked second. I wouldn't have an issue with that. I just don't think I don't like the dismissive that people are all of a sudden being dismissive of Cincinnati. Like Luke Fickle doesn't hasn't gotten players, but I think. UCF could finish in the top three. I think anything worse than that would be a massive disappointment. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not dismissing Cincinnati. Players. I just think they've lost too much. Well, here's the other so thing. Go to UCF in 2019, and they still finished in the top three. Here's the other thing about about the American. Last year, it was Cincinnati, very top heavy, and then it was you know then everything fell down yeah. big time after that. Uh, this is a much more balanced league. You know, top half. You even talk about five teams with a yeah. legit shot. I mean, I uh, think Houston is the one team that has the ability to go undefeated. Uh, Houston, Houston. Uh, there's a reason why Houston was ranked first. Uh, yeah, they have yeah. the they have a good path to the title game. Yes, and and they they're very talented. And you know they finished 11 and two last year. They had a, a good bowl win. I mean they're riding a, a, a major wave. Yeah, uh, there's no reason to think that they can't. Well, I think this is the no coach is under more pressure than Dana Hogerson. He's got a big salary in Houston. What has he done in his career? Like we can like Gus has proven. Luke's fit proven. Dana Hogerson ain't proven. He hasn't won squad in his career. He's been an average coach. This is his year. This is his year. Can he take advantage of that? We don't know. Well, but I Houston, do think they're the team. Houston was the second best team in the conference last year. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're not going to beat Cincinnati uh, at that right. time. I mean, that team was just. And they played him well. They played him well in the title game. Yeah, that team was just another level. There's just nothing they could have done about uh, it. How, by, however, by the way, Dana Hogerson uh, won a Big East championship and an Orange Bowl. So let's let's pump. The yeah, that's a bad Hogerson Big East against anything. a Clemson. Ah. Bad Clemson team. That doesn't matter. Come on. I think West Virginia just scored another touchdown. Oh, all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. Matter. No, I think it was like 70 to 14 in that bowl game. This is why, the, it, Kyle. This is why arguing with how Eric many wins like did West Virginia have that year? While you're, while, he was while you're, he uh, took over uh, for Bill Stewart. Hey, like, hey listen, uh, you were there for me arguing with him about you know women's basketball in Connecticut and all that when he was whack a mole uh, that too. I had to beat him in the face with numbers. Whack a mole. What, what, <laughs> hey, what a word. I, I got him to to relent a little bit on on some of the some of the stuff. You, you you just have to bludgeon him with so much fact well, that right. he can't breathe. What well, we don't lest we, for, lest we forget also Houston lost to Cincinnati in the conference championship game. Played him well. Led the led. I mean, that was a good game. The big wild card in all this, whether it be Cincinnati, UCF. You know, remember UCF in 2017 was an afterthought. They were, I think, picked third in the division or second or second behind USF. Remember, USF was the flavor, every the unanimous pick. And, and then what the happened? Mackenzie Mc, Mc, Milton took the next step. And that's the wild card in all this. We don't know what Cincinnati or UCF is getting at the quarterback position. And we may not know for a couple weeks into the season. I think Eric, Cincinnati will find out. There's a preseason polls. That's always the problem. But you guys had a vote on it. <laughs> well, we're asked to vote. We're going to vote. Why wasn't Kyle and I in, uh, brought in on this? Especially because uh, I, I didn't want to argue with you like we always freaking do. What about Kyle? Right, what's, what's the excuse for Kyle? Poor little I, Kyle. I here. thought you enjoyed me and Drew arguing. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I got to I got to pick my poison one way or the other here. I'm like hey, I'm not going to double all I it up. Say is how how my it's like it's like asking me to to take hemlock and cyanide. Okay, well, one no. of them's enough. Don't worry, Kyle. Hey. We'll get the we'll get the basketball. Beat, hey, actually, maybe they'll basketball cancel meet. each other out. But no. But the, the truth is, look at my rankings compared to what actually happened. I think I was on to something. Wow! Look at Drew with a sneak in there. Okay, great. And if you Whoa. want the insignificant teams, that's adorable, buddy. But listen. <laughs> oh, God. No, joking aside, no, I I, I definitely a, a, am definitely on task with you on the bottom. What is that? Seven. I'm, 
I agree with seven. The bottom seven. Um, I don't even like necessarily that the final poll has, um, what's his words? Like you're different with, let me look at it. You're yeah, you're different. Actually, no. Yeah. The bottom seven I'm good with. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. It's really the top four. And again, like we said, we're splitting hairs. I really think Cincinnati's air quotes fall. I'm going to make the prediction now that the losses in the significant games that quote unquote, keep them out of conference championship competition. If that in fact occurs, will total less than 20 points. That's how close this conference oh, yeah. is this year. Well, and that's okay. Oh yeah. Well, there were by the way, there were there were playing listen, ECU I think was 10 points away from being 10 and 2 last year. Correct. Uh, look at Memphis. Uh yeah. four out of each of their six wins and losses were all within one score. I mean, it's a lot of 50-50 stuff. UCF was two plays from from attendance. No, I don't like that argument. I mean, because they're two plays but from no, losing two games no, too. I mean, we can but, That's but football listen, in a nutshell. Right, but but that's what we're talking about is how many angels can you bounce on the head oh, and health, thin, right? Health, I mean, health. I mean, that's what we mean by closeness there. Coins, right? you know, it's, a lot of these games are going to be coin flip games. And right? we don't but know UCF's offensive line is depth is a question mark going in. We don't, well, I mean, you, right? can, you can actually question a lot of depth in a lot of different areas for a lot of teams. Well, and that's the uniqueness yeah, of like this league. Like Cincinnati's defense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Cincinnati's defense because, I mean, you know, and it's no fault of their own. The fact that they were that good, they got gutted by the NFL. Yeah. Well, it's going to come down to at least what we're thinking right now. Four games right now. The four kind of games that I think, if you're looking at the American right now in the national in the national landscape, you got these four dates circled: October first, SMU at UCF. Yes. October twenty second, Cincinnati at SMU. Yes. October 29th, Cincinnati at S at UCF. Boy, that's a gauntlet for Cincinnati, man. And then uh, November the fifth, Houston at SMU. So Again, th- those finding the world that you mentioned, you are Houston once in those once. two games. Yeah, and that's that's actually no, I think great. Houston's a favorite. Um, that and that's yeah. one reason why we rem- right. pushed them up towards number one is they have the, you know, while UCF has the favorable location wise. Houston is favorable opponent one. Well, and avoiding a bad loss. Like UCF. So does, we, by the way, so does SMU because two of those games are at home. Right. They still have to. But they still have the third one. Yeah. On the road. Correct. Right. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we get back, going to do a little grab bag. Eric, we got some more softball news. You're darn right. We got two national champions added to their coaching staff. We got, we got basketball scheduling news and the great, the biggest recruit in football history. Boom! Maybe, you know, boom! Signs on the dotted line. All right, we'll be right back. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Kyle Nash, Andrew Glukov. We got a full house, and we better make some room for Bryson Turner because he's coming in here. And this let me uh, just squeeze third right and final there. segment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, full house. What's that smell? Uh, no, Did I miss anything? Uh, the no, uh, nothing at all. <laughs> we got a little grab bag here for the end, but we got. Some, but the first thing we got to talk about is some. Listen, you guys know how I feel about recruiting news, but even I have to admit this is kind of a big deal. Uh, UCF got a the the high. Is this true, Eric? The highest rated recruit, yep. in history. Commit uh, commit class of twenty twenty three. We talked about it at the, at the top of the show. John Walker, defensive tackle, kids three hundred pounds. He's from Osceola High School. 
and he has committed to stay home and come to play at UCF, Eric, starting in 2023. Significant. Highest recruit. I mean, you know, it's a big deal. Like, I'm talking to my bo- our boy, Brandon Helwig. He drove to this. He doesn't just drive to get a kid's commitment. That's how big of a deal that Brandon drove to it for coverage. So that's the, that's a pretty, like, whoa, that's kind of important. Number two, a, not only a highly touted recruit, but a highly touted recruit in the where? In the trenches, boys. How big, Kyle and Drew, we have talked about this. You're going into the Big 12. What are you going to need? You're going to need some big boys up the trenches. And they just got this with this kid. And Gus Malzahn is sending a message. I can get my kids in the backyard the very best and beat out schools like Ohio State. Like, joke all you want. Other than there's been two schools in the last decade that have been the best in college football in grabbing talent, which is Alabama and Ohio State. It's not even a debate. Look at the, the the success rate they've had in grabbing players and then developing them to the next level. And UCF just beat Ohio State for one of these kids. I never thought I would live to see that. This is significant. It's basically a message. UCF has arrived as a major player on the national landscape in college football. I think that's how big this is. Not only that, not only that, but uh, this is – Gus Melzahn building a fence around the central Florida area. He flat out said he was going to recruit this area like his hair is on fire. Yes. And this is, this is a byproduct of that. Uh, there's so much talent in the state of Florida that schools from all over the country come try to get. And, you know, to be able to start holding on to the, not, not just the two and three star leftovers, but the top end ones that, that the big boys want. That sends, I think, an even louder message. Beating Ohio State for a recruit is huge. Not Where just Ohio State, we... Michigan, Florida, and Miami and, and too, Miami. reportedly. But and and you know, you know, with Miami and, and Florida in the in the mix, the fact that there this this guy is in the central Florida area, uh, just you could sell the 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 idea of your family can come to every home game. You're playing against the top teams in the Big 12. You're going to get better out-of-conference teams. I, you, you have something to sell. And this is the you know, class of 2023. This is a Big 12 class. Uh, this is no yeah. longer an American uh, recruiting class. And, and you're starting to see the dividends of that affiliation along with the desire of locking down the area. You know, Orlando, you know, UCF's Orlando's hometown team. Well, guess what? stay home, play for the hometown team. I always tell people the idea of comparing to Ohio State to a UCF. Uh, go to Ohio State. You want to be part of history? Go to UCF. You want to write the history. The future of college football. Uh, and, and, and I'll say I'll say all the stuff you said there, Drew, is stuff that other coaches could have boasted going back to Frost and Heupel. But I think what's different is the points you make aren't the cake. They're the damn frosting. And that is what makes this huge. Gus Malzahn has made this program credible in a way that those, hey, stay at home, be more comfortable concepts aren't the entire selling point. They're the frosting, not the cake. And the cake is, hey, look, you can talk about the Gasparilla Bowl being a lesser bowl, but we sold that ish out. Everybody saw it. So it's a great scouting opportunity for you for the next level. And you took out the alleged top school in the football programs in the state right now granted we get you and i 
all of us here on this panel are good enough analysts to know that football wise, that may not have been the best representation of what teams are uh, capable of what on the field, but it's something that still happened and it's still something well, that's marketed as such. Lowton writes, not only Lowton that, writes. I mean, Gus and Mario Cristobal is now at Miami are the right. two best track record coaches when it comes to recruiting and what they've done on the, what they've done. Like Mike Norvell and Billy Napier on proven guys. Gus what? is proven. Gus has proven he's won. He's yeah. one big hell. The, the SEC media, they, they still talk about him. All right. Yes. So, um, they're not talking about Mike. I didn't, I don't think a Mike Norvell question came up today in the American. All right. In comparison. Yeah, they talk more about, oh, what is it? Sapin's not giving Billy Napier drops. I hear that. Yeah. They talk so, more about Gus Malzahn at the SEC media games than Brian Harson. <laughs> but Gus and Gus has this way. I do think he's the best football coach recruiter we've ever had. George was not a good recruiter. He was more of a developer. Uh, I don't, I don't, you know, you people know this, like he whiffed on some guys, quite frankly, that he should have gotten Scott Frost just wasn't here long enough. So we don't know if he would have been a great recruiter. He had great success briefly, but we don't know if that's because he was a great recruiter or because he was the anti O'Leary and then Josh Heupel proven wise was a terrible recruit. I think Gus is legit. I think Gus is legit and he's the right guy at the right time because he's the right guy to lead to the Big 12, which also enhances this and gives you excitement that now you know you can compete with the big boys to get this talent. And now having a top 25 recruiting class is not a pipe dream here, and that is significant. You know, Eric, you, you, you're you talking about Gus's recruiting capabilities, and I think one thing that Gus has done that I think that maybe we saw a bit with with Frost and Heupel, but I think Gus has really showed us, is that he is that his successes from the transfer portal, like Isaiah Bowser, have already pro- have already seemed to have really shown dividends. But now that he's staying longer, which is something we didn't get with Frost and Heupel, they can he can now go take that to the freshman recruiting class and go that route as well. No, and John Walker is kind of like the the epitome yes. of that. Plus, it just gets the Ohio State fans mad, which I'm seeing on a tweet here. Which that is I great for recruiting. Oh, but, here, you, but here's the point. Drew is conflicted about Andrew all this. Don't worry about that. But here's Bryce, <laughs> you make a good point. Because some people are saying, well, until he signs on a piece of paper. In today's recruiting, actually, more and more players are now committing earlier because they, they don't want to fall behind because they want to play on the field quicker and they want to be able to recruit other guys to join them in the recruiting class, just like they do in the transfer portal. The collusion uh, defense, great point, Elo. There's been players been had spoken that, they man, we wish we would commit it earlier so we could have helped maybe get this person in. So uh, I think that's what we're seeing here, and I think Gus's track record is a proven track record, and they, they know who he is. He just they do. I mean, that's oh, I- a solid point. I want to make a quick point about Gus's recruiting class for 2023 real quick. This is according to Rivals.com. UCF has eight players with verbal commitments in the class of 2023. Six of them are from the state of Florida. Five of them are from the greater Orlando area. The only two that are not from the state of Florida are from Brunswick, Georgia, and Savannah, Georgia. Southern Georgia kids. So to me, that tells you you know, he is, like you were saying, he's solidifying that Southern, that obviously the yeah. state of Florida, and points not far from there. So he's talented and efficient, Jeff, is what you're saying. Well, I mean, it, there's a lot of factors that go into your career. And, and this is one of those things that I think a lot of um, 
you know, is kind of underrated also that I've heard from coaches on other sports too. And I think this applies to football as well. When you're a Florida school and you can recruit kids in state, that actually also helps out on your, on your scholarship budget. Cause guess what? Y'all got bright futures. So if these kids are good students, guess what? You know, that's, that, that helps. Also, that's, that's a big help. I said, yeah. and oh, by the way, boss, state, by the way, boss, with the NIL, you could also boast no state tax. Yeah. Also true. Yep. Also true. So, uh, so that's a big win. Now, here's a couple Boom. other big wins bringing people in. How about a double boom from UCF softball, Eric Lopez, namely on the coaching staff? Um, two familiar names in the world of softball uh, coming to UCF. New assistant coach Jen Salling, Olympic medalist, member of Team Canada. How about the Canada Pipeline, Eric Lopez? Uh, joins uh, UCF as uh, an assistant coach to Cindy, Cindy uh, Ball Malone. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, she was also UCF's first uh, volunteer coach. And then also coming on board, uh, if you followed Oklahoma, this name should sound familiar, Shannon Sale comes in as a graduate assistant. She was a grad assistant for the Sooners last year. So tell me about this experience, Eric Lopez. Well, I'm just happy now because Bryson can stop asking me every day, like, what have I heard about the assistant opening? <laughs> it's done. It's done. So – Jen Salling was a volunteer here in 19, played at Washington, won the national title in 2009, played there through 2012. Bryson, I believe, is correct. Is that correct? 29, 09 to 2012, with Cindy Ball Malone being the assistant at Washington. So they go that back. Jen just coming off being an Olympian, winning Canada's first medal in softball this last year in Tokyo. She takes over for Whitney Jones, who moved on to Ohio State. Because uh, Drew obviously took her away from us. I'm, so I blame Drew, but that's okay. Uh, but it fits very well because as me and Bryson talked about this, I think it was a couple of weeks ago on the pod. S- this is Sydney Ball Malone's system when it comes to the offense. She doesn't run it anymore. She's running the pitching, but it's kind of the comparison I've made is to Bill Belichick. Assistants come and go, but the system stays the same. You bring in somebody that can run that system, and Jen knows that system inside out. Uh, and you know, she's been spending a lot of time here anyway. So I think it's a great fit. So I think it's a, it's a good move there to get Sally there, uh, for coach. And then Shannon sales, a Florida kid who played at FIU, you know, who her pitching coach Jeff was at FIU. Uh, wait a minute. It wasn't, um, it's somebody, you know, that's why I'm asking. Is, is it, was it, it was Hillary Barrow. That is correct. See, wow. Hillary okay. Barrow is the assistant to Shannon Sale. And, uh, really got her on the map at that time. So you got a little UCF connection there with Hillary, who was a former assistant and player at UCF. You mentioned she transferred from FIU to Oklahoma, won a national title, spent the last year as a grad coach under Patty Gasso at Oklahoma. Ironically, UCF played him in the Supers. And now she's coming back home to the state of Florida to take over in that grad coach position to give – Sydney some extra eyes to run the pitching staff, kind of what Aaliyah White did. Aaliyah now is the pitching coach, the assistant at North Georgia. So that's pretty good. Two national champions, another Olympian. I think it keeps that nucleus and the philosophy on that staff together. Bryson, you saw it up close covering the team, how tight that staff was and how the players kind of fed off of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you handled on the head earlier where you're talking about this is Cindy's system. And the fact 
that that Ball Malone and Sailing really only worked together previously with that one season with Washington, I think really shows how much of an impact Ball Malone can leave on a person. And I imagine they stayed in contact and they probably could. Yeah, she was a volunteer in 19, came back to be a volunteer. Yeah. Yeah, Right. So I think that this is definitely a really good spot. I mean, Whitney Jones almost 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 won a Banny for a reason that hitting was a huge part of how, how, where why softball is where it is. And I think that Soling uh, should be able to maintain that production going forward. And then, of course, Shannon, Shan, Shan Solid. I mean, like, I'm just very interested to fa- that somebody from Oklahoma ended up coming over here. And now I'm just intrigued by the fact, you, the fact, you know, like, obviously, you know, she's from Florida, and that's probably an, enti- an enticement to come over here because she'll be closer to home this way. But I'm also interested to hear what she thought about seeing UCF from that other dugout because they were one of the programs that put up a fight against the machine that is the Oklahoma softball team. It's very fair. So, I mean, it's a great move, and I think it keeps everything in nucleus. uh, And that softball reloading, Eric Lopez. Boom! On on fire. I mean, they really are. I mean, to me, Sydney and Gus, and they talk. I know for a fact those two talk, and I think they're very similar in their philosophies when it comes to the transfer portal, when it comes to the coaching staffs, I think that's a, fi- a factor. I mean, didn't Gus just lo- lose one of his offensive play callers technically, or not a play caller, Gus called the plays, but his offensive coordinator, he just plugged in somebody else because it's Gus's yeah. offense at this at the end of the day. And I think it's the same applies here. Uh, so don't you love those softball football references, Kyle? Come on, I'm helping you out. Oh, they're great. I just, I don't know the last softball coach at UCF that wrote a book on offense, but your point is still made very Give her well. time. Give her time. That's yeah. <laughs> fair. Uh, <laughs> we got some men's basketball news we did that we didn't yeah. get to before. Big, big. Uh, C- we got a uh, another recruit coming in uh, with some experience, CJ Kelly. He's a 6'5 guard. He's from Long Island. Comes over from UMass. This guy's got some experience. Uh Last year, averaged 10.1 points, 4.1 rebounds, um, had, uh, and, and is, this is actually his third school. He's, he's been with UMass from before, but this guy's played four seasons. Um, and Bryson is yearly. When we saw CJ Kelly, I mean, this does kind of, it, initially I think of the, the initial reaction was this guy is just kind of like a spot filler, but actually this dude's contributed this. He's, he's going to be legit. I think coming into this, uh, coming into this year, I don't know if he's going to quite replace Darren Green Jr. in terms of the three-point shooting, but this guy's got a few pelts on his horse. Oh yeah, I think the I think the big because I mentioned this before is that there is that Coach Dawkins has a good core to build around with the returners that he has, like Ty Freeman, Darius Johnson, at least in the guard spots. Then you have mm-hmm. sucks you. I think they have a solid core. The the big thing though now is you need to be able to have people that to build around that that can be able to come in when you need them to. And CJ Kelly, I mean, he had he had, he does have experience starting. He started 14 games last year. So, I think that he's a a very adequate depth piece to have he's a very dependable and i think that's what this men's basketball team is you need you need somebody that can be dependable and i think that's the name of the game darius johnson is dependable cj walker is dependable a a lot of the people that they've come in that they brought in 
look very dependable. So I'm I'm excited to see what CJ Kelly's going to do as well. They also brought in an, an, another recruit as well, a freshman, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. So I think that so I believe that there are that the men's basketball program, uh Theonosia, that's what his name is a foreign prospect, um, is I think that they now completed the roster and when I, at least from the scholarship position standpoint, and when I look at it, I'm interested to see what this unit's going to do. I think with Darius Johnson there, I think that it's going to gel a lot better. And yeah, it's just, I'm excited to see when they take the court for the first time. We're going to have a team that has, uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, six players who are listed as senior eligible or older. Brandon Suggs, C.J. Walker, Lahatiun, uh, Ethiel Horton, and Michael Durr. Um, and by senior, they're listed as seniors, redshirt seniors, or fifth-year players, in addition to C.J. Kelly, too. So um, there's some grown men on this roster here. Well, so it's a question of, you know, I, 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 well, Eric, you're shaking your head here. We'll see what happens when they get on the court, if they could fit in. But this is college basketball and pretty much in the basically what it is now. You're going to have new faces every year. To me, the bigger news, the scheduling reports that came out this week. Okay. It has, one, it's official. Missouri will play UCF at the Orange Bowl Classic down in Sunrise in December. Uh, we may have to make a road trip for that, Kyle. I mean, a little UCF Missouri hoops there. A little hoops December seventeenth. Yeah. It's all about what the how the schedule falls out. But you know, to act like I'm ruling it out, don't put me there yet. This isn't the whole <laughs> I'm interested. And then John Rosty <laughs> reporting, uh, reporting that UCF will host Stetson in men's hoops. We're running it back. Get the yellow T-shirts out, guys. See, clearly they heard, they read Jeff's article about, you know, saving the art, the rivalry, <laughs> and they've decided to bring back UCF oh, Stetson man. basketball rivalry. Where's Biggie? We got to oh, get man. Biggie up in here. So, obviously, this the, will... well, he was Kirk's jerks. You need yeah. the rowdy knights on that one. I know. Well, you know, Kirk Spearow retired. This might be a good opportunity for us to bring Kirk back oh, down. Oh, dude, would that did be that, something? Oh, seriously, if you could pull that off, you would have the last three UCF division head coaches in the building. That's right. Dude, Jeff, we got to get on that. Get on that. Get on that. Yeah. Donnie, Do- Dawkins, Kirk. Make it happen. Call your – Jeff, gotta, you got higher pull talk, on this one. We got to talk to MOD and uh, TY on this one. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're the PA guy. You make it yeah. happen. You're literally on the court. You can make it happen. I hey, really I, think that'd be pretty cool. They hear every word you say. Literally. Heck, we All already right. got a UCF football no way home with Casey Bortles and Culpepper. Let's do it in UCF basketball. Yeah. That would be wild, actually, if we could pull that off. But that that's going to be, be interesting. Cool. Uh, real quick, do you think he get, Donnie gets booed? Who wants to take that? Uh, Drew? Kyle? I who, don't who, who, think so. I don't think so. I don't no? think he's going to get booed. I, I, I hope not. Um, I mean, he really didn't do anything wrong he just you know he did okay in conference usa and just they, he couldn't bring it up when they move uh to american it was no I, I, here's, here's, struggled here's in what happened USA. here's what here's what happened with donnie from from my perspective all right when he came in donnie's uh mo was actually not too dissimilar from gus right eric he was a recruiter yep, yep. big time recruiter he was uh billy donovan's right hand man at florida before he went to Marshall for that one year, and then he came to UCF. Then what happened a year or two after that? The recruiting scandal hit. Ken and he Caldwell. Was the kid, yeah, and 
and Donnie kind of got railroaded by the fact that he couldn't recruit. You know, because UCF's basketball program was under some was was under some uh, was was under probation for a period of time. So it it handcuffed his best tool, and it didn't work out. The guys that listen, Donnie recruited some dudes, but it, let's not forget he's the one who brought in BJ Taylor. He's the one who brought in Taco Fall. Well, right? no, that'll be interesting to see their reaction in that building too, boy. So, Here's the storylines, boy. There's storyline. Kyle, you and I are gonna we're going we're going to that game. So I don't be, know when it is. We don't know, but we're going. Uh, and, you know, and that's going to be fascinating to see how that all plays out uh, with all the parties. And I'm going to give Coach Dawkins credit. They're going to host FSU. There's reports that they're going to host Miami in a home and home. We don't know that if that's factual yet, but it has been reported by college basketball people. Now potentially hosting Stetson along with playing Missouri, as I mentioned, the Orange Bowl Classic, they're going to play a home-and-home home at Ole Miss, with Ole Miss going on the road to Ole Miss. They're playing Oklahoma State in the Bahamas. I'm shocked that Kyle hasn't booked his flight yet for that. I'm working <laughs> on my passport. Fair. Johnny's a creative scheduler, man. Uh, really good scheduler that I don't think he gets enough credit for because I don't think he can pull off some of these games that I don't think other UCF coaches could have pulled this off, especially getting games like Oak State, getting Florida State to come here, stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, the Stetson thing will be amusing with the former players. And I love your idea, Jeff. We need a campaign. Get Because Kurt's retired now. For those that don't know, yeah. he's retired yeah. from he just Iowa. just retired from Iowa after this past season. And as an I could be coach. wrong, but he has not been back to UCF on an official on camp like he might have been back in an alumni thing or whatever off you know what i mean like i know the basketball i, I, I don't i haven't seen any I, he wasn't back at the alumni thing last year of course yeah. he was working so um yeah i don't know i don't think you, he's you been back something? we we got to get on this yes we got to get yes. on this drew you got a lot of power you got you and gus malzahn are you know bffs make it happen drew's uh, drew's an old school guy I mean, were, were you were you a rowdy night drew no you were in the band I, I was in I was I was in the the Jammin Knights for a couple years. Uh, I actually never joined the Rowdy Knights, uh, so you you'd think I would have, but it, it just never happened. And then you weren't a Kirk's jerk either, were you? I wasn't a Kirk's jerk either. No, but I was. Oh, were you either? Were you I was either, close Kyle? friends with a number of Rowdy Knights. I'm about to say, well, Drew's tied to the Rowdy Knight Network. Don't let him. There's fool. that. There's that famous photo that you've shared, you know, many a time with Lee Corso, right? No, Drew that's and, Matt Brodsky. Uh, oh, that's Brodsky. Oh, Brodsky yeah. shares that, right? And Jimmy Skiles is in that photo. Oh, oh Jimmy! Oh, oh, I got. How do we forget Jimmy? Terrible off-color joke that pops in my head, you know. But thanks. No, thanks, don't, Jeff. don't. This is a family show. Thank you. Did Taylor, uh, Jeff, did Taylor Young play for Donnie? I know he played for Kirk. I'm trying yeah, to remember. He did. Oh man, this just gets better. La I think his last, I think his last half, uh, the last half of the season, pretty good. Or last half, last bit of his career was there. I mean, Mod was with check, him. Mod, yeah. Look, Jermaine. Uh, well, wait a minute. No, Mod did not play for Donnie. Sure about that? Yes. No, Mod, you're right. He did not. But neither Tyler did Jermaine. Jermaine last did. Year. Neither, neither did, neither did, uh, neither did Jermaine Taylor. Jermaine Taylor did not play for Donnie Jones. Thought he played one. He played year. for Kurt. No. Um, AJ Ramsa crossed over. I know that for a fact. So, all right, all right. So that'll just about that'll uh, go ahead, Bryson. You have one more. Like I just want to say, like, look, gentlemen, if this show has taught us anything at all, is that you football and men's basketball, while they may not, while they may have had their struggles last season, 
I think that there is a very much an interest to see what sort of new wrinkles are going to enter the playing field into both of their next seasons. And then, of course, softball is reloading for another run once we get to 2023. I just want Jeff's idea to get out there. I just want Jeff's idea. That might be one of the greatest ideas in the history of this show, seven years. right? I learned a very, very different lesson. Nothing is safe anymore. Nothing is sacred here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh and yeah and i can and i can confirm that uh uh, uh kirk spiraz uh jermaine taylor's uh last season was kirk spiraz second to last if anybody important if you're important and involved in decision making and you're listening to this just get jeff's idea steal it he doesn't mind he'll Bring be it. glad to take it to take the idea funny how he just yeah how he just said steal that. his right. stuff please yeah Let's, I really love uh, that. I really love that. Eh? Like I would mark out for that. Commit acts of theft against Jeff. <laughs> would we? Would it, anybody guys. start the good coach, bad coach chance? If those, I mean, how would that? I mean, anyway. Oh boy! Huh? Here we go. I Let's want Tom Herring to show back up and have a heart, a pretend heart attack again. Oh, oh my god! That would always cement the Donnie Jones reunion even better. Oh. All right, Save that for when that can we week. Please, can we, I want to end the show now Come before we Harry. get into any more trouble than we already are. Uh, <laughs> for, if you if you have, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, Lord knows why would you now? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, make sure you follow. Make sure you subscribe on Apple and Android uh, devices. You can also follow us on YouTube. Just search for Black and Gold Banneret. Follow us on Twitter at UCF Banneret underscore SBN. You can follow us each individually. I am at Jeff underscore Sharon. Kyle is at the SOTG for the student of the game. Uh, Eric Lopez is at Eric Lopez Elo. Uh, Andrew Glukov is at Stat Boy Drew. And of course, Bryson is at It's Bryson Turner. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. Thanks again to uh, everyone who helped us out. Thanks to Chuck Sullivan over at The American for his help uh, with Media Day and also with the poll. And mm-hmm. also thanks to John Heisler and the entire communication staff at UCF for their help uh, as well. So that'll do it for us for this week. Uh, make sure you stick around on the site. Also this week, we're going to do some more preview stuff. We are going to look at the remainder of the schedule. Know that folks come up. Practices start next week. We're ready. starts next week. We're going to have UCF Media Day coming up real, real quick. Kyle, so we'll camp out. Camp out for, for the first practice. <laughs> camp out. Now, you and Trace well, can hang out. Yeah, a few I was going to say, the morning, Trace is probably... Trace is probably already there. He's, you know, hey, if Tra- if Trace shows up with a beard, we're we're gonna know. He, 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 he signed squatter rights. Yeah, well, he's got to get there early to do the walk and talk. This is true. And ask the, the first question. And ask through the, the sprinklers, question. right? So, yes. All right, Trace, we love you, bud. Uh, this has been the Black and Gold Banner at Podcast for Bryson, Eric, Andrew, and Kyle. I'm Jeff. Enjoy the week. See you next week.